Tired of feeling good? Too much positivity in your life? Ready to embrace your deepest depressive state? Cronenberg Productions has you covered. Just watch any Cronenberg movie and watch your faith in the future melt away. Cronenberg Productions. Who needs happiness? Thank you, thank you. Big, big crowd thank in the Thank you. Uh, Hello. In Studio HMT today. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk. Your panel of expert hosts. Each week, our Dr. Brett Harley, who holds a PhD in sphincterology, mm. and Protefer David Bah, the f- me, David Day, <laughs> the foremost expert in sphincter. Uh, new theatrical releases always get priority, but we also review older horror movies, both good and horrible. Horrorable. Horrorable. We've got a great, great episode for you today, because you'll be hearing about how the crimes of the future fucked me up. I'm really curious about this, because I did not... I was I went in experiencing some kind of like super disturbing experience and it just did not affect me the way it did you uh, oh god we'll be reviewing crimes of the future i think we should <clears throat> i think you it should be a requirement that you state the title as crimes of the future of the future <laughs> church, <laughs> before we get into the show we got to tell you we have our final kiggins cult of horror live show coming up on friday june 24th with our screening of hereditary that's right if you missed hereditary in theaters you can catch it in vancouver washington on Friday, June 24th at 9 p.m. Fly in, walk in, bike in, drive in, tank in, submarine in. Do what you got to do to get here. And we're going to have a great time. We'll introduce the show, have a bunch of comedy uh, baloney, have a fun time. And, uh, and you know, we'll talk to you guys, uh, probably, if we, don't, if we don't look at you and feel disdain in our hearts. Um, we, we post new episodes of the show every single Wednesday, so make sure to subscribe and please leave us a nice rating. Look, we got a bad rating this week because someone said that we, they said specifically trans jokes aren't funny. Um, and I completely agree. Uh, I, I don't think trans jokes are funny either. Even if they are funny jokes, just by virtue of them being about trans people. See, I take issue funny. with that because it's not. No, no, I'm. I think trans jokes are just as funny as regular comedians' jokes. Like they have a unique perspective, and the, okay, that's, now I see what you're doing. You're turning this. Then that's not. That's not. Oh, that's kind of funny. But I'm. 
I announced on our men episode, I'm trans. Mm-hmm. And I also don't find that trans jokes to be funny. That one was kind of funny, though. So I'm a little confused. But you... I don't think you're allowed to say that kind of stuff. Anyway, we start out the review by giving a brief review and our score for the movie. We score on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a miserable, miserable dredge where it makes you angry, 5 being an average film that hits all the expected marks, and 10 being so good it transcends genre boundaries. After we give our score, we'll get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what we like to hate about the film. And later in this episode, we will be doing a little bit called Horror Movie where we take your calls um yeah so i think we just talked past each other i think they didn't get like i don't know why they think that the joke happened um but i'm a little offended by it but i understand that it may be oh i just i just assumed it was a bigot that was saying like that your jokes aren't funny Oh, they're, because, because trans. I'm trans? Right. They're saying my jokes aren't funny? Yeah. Oh. Which makes me kind of glad because they side with me. You think? <laughs> what? I mean, they, they didn't say Bryce's jokes aren't funny. Well, now, now, I'm, now I'm a little hurt in a different way. Before I thought it was just a misunderstanding, and now I feel attacked. Mm, right. Oh my god. I like my heart. <laughs> this is weird. I've, I like I'm having feelings where I had no feelings before. Um you know actually on that interview I did an interview with uh, a fella with Jacob from Beaverton. He's got a a website where he as I like to call it Beavertown. Uh interviews <laughs> um, people that he thinks are interesting. And we had a Joint interview scheduled that you scheduled and then promptly forgot. I asked him to send me a calendar invite and and uh, he sent it way, way too late. So I just didn't get it. I was mm. gone, out of service. Oh, um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, Jacob. Anyways, there was a, <laughs> there was a moment where he was like, he said, uh, "Like, have you have you ever thought of doing like uh, stand up?" I was like, "I don't know." I kind of toyed with the idea. And he was like, oh, man, what did he say? I wish I had the recording. But he was like, um, yeah, you guys are really funny, like, together. Like, I, I wonder if it would work on stage. And then he specifically said, David, I'm not sure if he could be, do it alone. <laughs> Stand up? <laughs> right. Why? I don't know. He's like... I, I can't remember how he put it, but it made me so delighted that he was like, mm, David... I don't know. Yeah, this is a good way to start the show. Just, <laughs> yeah, punch me in the dick. You're this already going to feel bad. I'm, so, my, my well, Jesus, this is really rude of you. Like, why would you bring this up? <laughs> You're like, I took joy in the fact well, that we, somebody else thought you couldn't do good. <laughs> That's what I liked. Yeah, I wish I could remember more yeah, specifically. I wish. About it. I just yeah, really I wanted you, to shoot you. Down. I wish you were a thoughtful person. Uh huh. That's what I wish. Oh. But we don't always get what we wish. Oh. I'm just saying, You first of all, you're saying that I'm not funny because I'm trans, and that hurts, and now you're saying I'm incapable. I'm not saying I, that. I'm not saying that. You no, know, you're saying you took great joy in the fact that someone else fo- thought that I couldn't do good at stand-up. Because I, I disagree, but I find it funny that someone would specifically say that. 
Yeah, well, Jacob, you can look forward to not getting that interview. <laughs> <laughs> this is not. This is literally not the way you get more interviews is by disparaging people. Mm. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> this is, this is, these are, you're gonna have to learn these these lessons the hard way. I mean, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that ever since you came out as trans that you're getting attacked more. It will make sense. Maybe he's a bigot. Yep. Mm. Could be. Well, uh, we went and saw Crimes of the Future and witnessed David Cronenberg's return to body horror in one of the most upsetting films of the year for me. But I've heard other people say that they were underwhelmed. Um, I've heard a lot of mixed reviews uh, in terms of just like expectations not matching up with uh, delivery. Um, but I had no expectations. And, uh, as always, as I, as I say, I am true to, I, I do not, I had no idea this was even a David Cronenberg film until I didn't even know this was coming out until you were like, hey, you know, we got a film coming out. I didn't out. even know I was in the theater. I had to no be idea honest. where I was, who I was. <laughs> I didn't know what was happening. Um, all I see is lights on a screen in front of me and. Yeah, until David Cronenberg's name uh, graced the screen, I was like, oh, no, this is happening now. Anyway, so um, controversial, uh, to say the least. It is uh, playing in theaters right now, select theaters, um, and I, I would hope that it opens up because I, while I was made very uncomfortable, I thought it was a pretty great film. So, without any further ado, here is the trailer. I can feel you pulling things around in there. <clears throat> It's a brand new organ. Never before seen. We've all felt that the body was empty. Empty of meaning. And we've wanted to confirm that. So that we could fill it with meaning. The world is a much more dangerous place now that pain has all but disappeared. Mm. You know what it is. Surgery is the new sex. I don't like what's happening with the body. In particular, what's happening with my body. Which is why I keep cutting it up. What do you think they'd find inside it? Outer space. Whoops. Sorry. Let us not be afraid to map the chaos inside. Let us create a map that will guide us into the heart of darkness. As I said, Crimes of the Future can be found. Sorry, Crimes what of, the future. of the Future. Sure, sure. Uh, it is a story about the far-flung future where the Earth has succumbed to environmental havoc wreaked on it by the human race. Humanity has been treated with painkillers um, for so long that the concept of physical pain is now novel. Our protagonists, Saul Tensor, played by Viggo Mortensen, and Caprice, played by Leah 
Sedo, whose art is performative surgery. Um, uh, these protagonists' art is performative surgery that seems to be extremely sexual in nature. Saul Tenser is like a portion of humanity in this world who finds himself growing auxiliary organs that make his life extremely uncomfortable. From eating to sleeping, Saul never finds himself far from discomfort, which is strange given how much of humanity seems to be experiencing so little in terms of feeling that they intentionally mutilate themselves just to feel anything at all. A young child named Brecken is murdered by his mother for eating plastic trash, a plastic trash can in the opening scene of this movie. A complicated game of cat and mouse between shady government agency and a splinter cell of candy bar aficionados takes place surrounding Brecken's death. Does art imitate life? Will humanity embrace their inevitable evolution? My review for Crimes of the Future is that it's the result of 50 years of doom and gloom reporting on humanity's shaping of our environment. This future is one that you've had visions of every time you hear a news report of the trash island in the Pacific. A humanity made perverse by its own inability to react to itself. More than that, this is a return to intense body horror for renowned writer-director David Cronenberg. I have to admit, Crimes of the Future hones in on my most intense personal terror, surgical imagery. <laughs> really? I didn't yeah. know this about you. Um, <clears throat> All of a sudden, this makes a whole lot more sense. not so bad now. The surgical imagery part, I've worked on a lot. Uh, hang on. We'll get into this more specifically. Uh, I first found this personal weakness in the fourth grade when my teacher went into vivid detail in describing how doctors removed her brain tumor. I felt, I felt sweaty and weak. And That's pretty rough for grade schoolers. It was, I, I felt sweaty and weak and soon I passed out just on my desk. I just went, plunk. Oh man. I would love to hear the teacher's version of this story. Just how horrified she must've been. They're like, Oh, I don't think anybody even knew. Oh, really? I don't no notice. I was, it was a very slow, like, I think I just ended up looking like I was asleep oh, okay. because I woke up and I was just woozy huh. and I was like, oh, what was that? <laughs> it wasn't even really a go to sleep sort of thing. It was just like your vision tunneling down, your hearing tunneling down, mm -hmm. your cold sweats. And then finally I just had no, I I had no uh, no wits about me anymore, and then and slowly I came back. But I could hear her voice like echoing in the back. It was very strange. Since then, I've come a long way in my ability to deal with thoughts and descriptions of surgery. Uh, Crimes of the Future cracked me by fusing surgery with sexuality and kink. <laughs> There's something so perverse in the concept of sexualizing voluntary surgery that I found myself sweating and my vision blurring like I was back in the fourth grade. The world that Crimes of the Future takes place in is so bleak and sad, I found myself wishing that the movie would end. Uh, the concepts within are terribly interesting and well-presented. Questions like, what is natural? And how do you deal with, the admiration, uh, with admiration if the thing that people admire about you is what you most hate about yourself? Uh, crop up all, all over this masterpiece. There's no shortage of thought-provoking concepts and questions to keep your head busy for ages. Um, 
I can honestly say that I've never felt this uncomfortable watching a movie that Horror Movie Talk has reviewed. Uh, I can say that the most uncomfortable parts for me were within the first and second act. I contemplated leaving the theater after a particular scene, but I'm glad I didn't because the end was uh, had less revolting content and more interesting questions. Uh, This is a worthwhile movie that is sure to make you feel uncomfortable on a variety of levels, in my opinion, but... I could be wrong. I give this a nine out of ten. It's not. Um, it's not the fly, which we re- ironically reviewed last week, right? Unintentionally, I, th- I think, right? It seemed like. But uh, two Cronenberg movies in two weeks <clears throat> makes me sad. <laughs> it's tough when he he hits on these super human questions that you never realized were really you were asking but you always kind of have been uh it smacks deeply of uh like the pain body experienced by uh, people who were uh genocided in world war ii (laughs) i think cronenberg had uh relatives who didn't make it through uh, the, the, uh, yeah, that's an interesting connection. I, I think if you look at Cronenberg's filmography, like, uh, pain or like torture and sex are never far off <laughs> from each other. Like drive. Yeah. Is just all about like sexual gratification through. No, sorry, not drive. Not crash, drive. crash. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's ninety six, um, and uh, you know the fly, just intense body horror and the the brood. Yeah, yeah. It's... So, yeah, even in like history of violence, it's like there. He's he's got a strong sexual content. Eastern promises. Eastern yeah. promises. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, so. Yeah, I did not take this movie the way you did, and I think there's a couple things that that uh, oh, really, really oh, this, vibe with you that don't are just things in storytelling that I just don't actually care about that much. Um, so one of the things I like just don't super appreciate or or doesn't get me engaged in a thing as a world building and this movie like 90 percent of it is just world building not a lot is going on <laughs> in terms of like a uh, plot other than just stating this is the world and these are a couple concepts within this world that are happening now and um i it just didn't engage me. I didn't. I didn't feel like I was making connections to like what is he trying to say other than like shit's fucked up, <laughs> you know. Um, and the the image is, is really strong. Like it's very stylized. Um, you know, it's it's a uh, <clears throat> got that. Um, what do you call it? Cyberpunk. Oh yeah. Feel. Oh yeah. Where it's like a mix of you know 80s technology and future futurism it's got yeah it's got this i mean it's like post apocalyptic it has some fucking cronenberg stank on it in terms of technology like the technology 
watching the fly and then watching this movie, you go, oh, okay, oh, okay, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. It reminds me a lot of. Forgive me if this isn't Cronenberg, but I'm I'm ninety percent sure that this is a Cronenberg film of uh, Existence. Have yeah, you ever seen Existence? Uh, no, no, I haven't seen it. Um, what is that? Like the mid nineties. <laughs> Uh, 99, I think, is when... It yeah, it's pretty started. late. It was after The Matrix. Yeah, 99. Yeah, And it was basically like Cronenberg's take on The Matrix in uh, vis-a-vis video gaming, like virtual reality video gaming. Yeah. But, like, the thing that was, stood out most for me that I remember from that movie is the controller <laughs> for the video game was this kind of like glop of goo that you insert your fingers into and it was very reminiscent of the controls of the surgery devices and the, sur- yeah. the surgery yeah. devices. Yeah, no, this themselves. is what I'm talking about. This is a very Cronenbergian yeah. concept. So, that that movie also had Don McKellar in it, Existence, and Don McKellar was in this movie. He was the uh the registrar. Oh, the Jordan okay. Peterson esque looking man. <laughs> I, every time I saw him, I was like, oh, well, fucking Jordan Peterson's on the screen. There's, there was a couple times where he, he even said some Jordan Peterson-like things. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what they were. <laughs> oh, it was, yeah, Don McKellar um, is, was, is a common stand-in in a lot of Cronenberg movies. Uh, Defoe is in a mm-hmm. decent amount. You know, whatever happened to Jude Law, speaking of existence, um... What happened to that guy? Where'd he go? What's he doing? Why isn't? Why don't we see him anymore? Well, he was in uh, Captain Marvel. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was Sinestro in Captain Marvel. He's been in Fantastic Beasts. No, no, Beasts, not Sinestro. The that's... Secret of Dumbledore. I guess he's still in some big shit. Um. Huh. Yeah. yeah he, the, the Harry Potter stuff is. I mean, he just had a movie come out. That was the Harry Potter thing. Um, yeah, so he's still he's still around. Um, okay. I got to say, as long as we're talking about actors, uh, there's an actor in here that has just the absolute best, but also uh, it has to be a made-up actor name because no one could just luck into a name okay. such as Scott Speedman. Scott Speedman! <laughs> No, I, I think, uh, well, yeah, who knows? I, and why why choose acting, and why would you not go into race car driving? <laughs> Gotta play to your strengths. Scott Speedman. Scott Speedman! <laughs> yeah. No, I think I, I think I actually recognize that name. I think Scott Speedman's been in some stuff. Um, but, you know, this does star Vigo, um... Who is a returning... Vigo Mortensen? Yeah, the oh, okay. the Vigo Mortensen and uh, Kristen Stewart. Um, and, and uh, f- you know, Kristen Stewart's a, kind of a hot, cold kind of actress for me. Um, I, either, I either really like her performance or I don't. And mm-hmm. in this case, I really liked her performance. She, she gave a, a very good performance, I thought. Um, Anytime that she's not playing Kristen Stewart is actually pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Scott Speedman. Scott Speedman was in <laughs> Underworld. Uh, he was in The Strangers. That's mm-hmm. where I think right, I right, remember right. him from. And then he was in yeah, the he movie. was in all the Underworld yeah, movies. The underworld. Apparently, I, is yeah. 
And Triple X State of the Union. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Uh, what are you giving this? Yeah, not a nine. I was honestly really bored with this movie. Like, I think a I, lot of people will feel that way. I there were some scenes that I perked up, and I just wish that there was more, like, com- connective or compelling material to drive the film mm. other than saying look at what i can do <laughs> like that's that's like the the sense i get is like it's very much like a world and most of the dialogue really is exposition of what's happening and um i you know i, I think- just didn't it just didn't engage me and and it's it's a very interesting film it's like really imaginative and builds a world i just wish that there was an actual story in it that i could oh my god that's the whole movie is just a story the whole movie is just a story and you know and people who are like i was really hoping for a return of david cronenberg to horror this is not that dissimilar from the fly it's a weird concept it's a horrific thought it it is it is a horrific thought experiment. There's right. not it's not a the fly is not a scary movie if you're not human. <laughs> you know, if you're not human, it doesn't work. If all you want is to be jump scared into oblivion, not the movie for for you. If concepts are scary to you, and if in particular if these concepts of humanity and it changing and like. Uh, if if all that is is evocative of like ooh I don't how far do we go before we're not human anymore and you know what I I would <laughs> you know what a movie I would compare this to like mm. this movie feels like um, Children of Men except there's no one pregnant in it that, that that's it's just living in the world yeah yeah and. Um, yeah, just it just didn't really. Anyways, I I didn't like this movie. I appreciate it for what it is, but the depravity um, the depravity in this is so intense. Like this is one of the most depraved movies I've ever seen. I, I dude, kind of get Scott Speedman had his fucking kid in a goddamn freezer trying to sell him to be sell his child's body to art people to do an autopsy he's like hey i got some shit i want to sh- sell you it's so fucking gross dude Ugh. um sitting over here like yeah just I, I mean you haven't had a kid sitting in your freezer in the garage i think it was well there's uh, it wasn't just so that they could autopsy him it was, it was the purpose yeah, it was, was to expose that he was right that, what he was that he was right yeah, it's it's a gross concept. He didn't love the kid for any other reason than than he made him a certain way. It's fucking nasty. Um, he, so, yeah, I don't... If you want to see, like, a really interesting film and, like, a different uh, world-building thing, then go see it. But otherwise, I, I don't recommend seeing it. I give it a 4 out of 10. Whoa! This is a huge upset. Yeah. This is one of the biggest upsets ever on HMT for sure. You never see a five point spread over here. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, very, pretty rare. Very yeah. rare. Host 
Host was one. Was one. I gave that a three, and you gave it like an eight or a nine. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This is wow. How do you how do you sleep at night on top of a pile of money surrounded by beautiful women? <laughs> I sleep in a race car <laughs> at night. Where do you sleep in? I sleep in a big bed with my wife. Oh. <laughs> hey guys, if you're listening to these commercials, you should know you do not have to. You head on over to our Patreon and uh and you can subscribe to commercial free early access content with access to a whole nother podcast over there that we produce specifically for Patreon called the Afterpod, where we talk about our feelings, aspirations, dreams, goals, gossip about our families, gossip about our uh, listeners, gossip about the size of our um, junk that is going to be, you know, cut off and reformed into uh, something else. Hey, is that my phone? Uh, uh, can't answer that. So check on, check out our Patreon. And if you subscribe uh, on an annual basis, if you pay for a whole year up front, you get 13% off your whole... Uh, Bill. So check that out. And, uh, you know, that's the best way to support the podcast. Another great way to support the podcast is heading to our website and click on one of the two buttons at the top of the uh, of the banner there. Either spend money on Amazon. Anytime you got to go uh, shopping on Amazon, just click through that link and then buy stuff on Amazon. And then we get a little portion, a pretty good portion of that uh, that purchase. And that helps support the show as well. And then also you can check out our Horror Movie Talks shop. Um, we have some plans to be adding some sweatshirts, some shirts, some new stuff, hopefully coming down the pike. And all of that stuff is going to be made by our hard-fucking artist. He's, he goes by DG, uh, Dog Gutter, uh, also known as Dustin Goble, uh, who is a professional artist who fucks ever so hard. You can catch him over on his Instagram at dgobel 0 that's at D-G-O-E-B-E-L-0-0 on Instagram. And tell him you want to see, oh, I don't know. Tell him you want like an artistic rendition of two dogs having sex. Uh-huh. Um, check out our voicemail by, by calling 682-253-4468. Thanks again. And let's get into spoilers. Is that a raincoat? No, it's a trench coat, and I'll thank you to remember it. My name's Vigo Mortensen, and all I wear in this movie is some black trench coat with a face covering. It's very stylized. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was the dorkiest part of this movie for me. I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. Oh. Oh, you're trying to be so uh, anonymous that you just happen to stick out like a sore thumb everywhere you go. But it was sty this is a super stylized movie. Yeah, this is a the whole movie is very, very stylized. Yeah. The start of this movie starts with like a little boy sitting near Yeah, this so the whole thing is like this bleak new world uh in the far flung future. This little boy is sitting next to all these broken down ancient ships and he's digging in the sand and his mom's like, Don't you fucking eat anything you find out there <laughs> and you're like, Yeah, I hate having to tell kids not to eat. Yeah, this mom was fed up with telling her kid to stop eating shit. And then 
he proceeds to just chomp on... He, he like, huddles in the bathroom with a plastic trash bin. Curls up to a nice trash bin and starts chomping it, and mm-hmm. you're like, huh, okay, <laughs> all right. And I then remember those tasting good. I don't... And then he goes to sleep, and Mom just proceeds to uh, suffocate him with a pillow. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, no. This is where we're going. This whole movie's going to be so fucking fucked. I, I don't like seeing little kids murdered by their parents. Really? Call me old-fashioned. Oh. I know. All right. It's weird, right? So sensitive. <sighs> Did any of this strike you? Four out of ten. I feel like a lot of the stuff was... It, it gets to a point where it just... My suspension of disbelief is completely ruined, you know, because you see the surgery and it looks like fake movie organs, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, that's goo. That's like Cronenberg goo, special effects stuff that they're sticking stuff in, like, just doesn't... I don't believe it, so I just see it as a movie. Mm. And I just see it as the concepts and the concepts, the, the novelty of the concepts, um, is very short lived. It's just like, huh, interesting. Okay. Let's see where they're going with this. And they end up not going that far with it. Yeah. It's, uh, they go, I, I don't know. I, I feel so like they go pretty far with it. Tell, tell me, let me go through like the concepts in the movie and what it's trying to touch on and see if I miss anything. So, Oh, you're going to miss a lot because I missed a lot. You know, like, I mean, there's, this is so jam packed full of conceptual, like it's all a big conceptual playground asking a bunch of questions about humanity. What makes us human? And yeah, I'm sorry. Go on. So, um, so yeah, the first thing is the kid that eats the the trash can, um, and there's something going on there. And then we meet Vigo, and he's um, in these weird contraptions, and you find out that the contraptions are to help counteract the pain that he's feeling while sleeping and while trying to eat breakfast, apparently. Just breakfast. There's only a breakfast chair, not like a lunch or dinner chair, in- interesting enough. But... uh um, and you find out through exposition that pain is kind of a thing of the past. Just people don't have pain anymore. And the human race is evolving rapidly. And um, this involves sprouting new organs. Um, new organs where there weren't organs before. Like, uh, And the most notable evolutions that um, apparently everyone's on board with or doesn't you know, want to counteract is um, almost no one feels pain. Yeah, there's been so much anesthetic um, drenched S- across society. See, that I didn't. I people didn't. People have basically become. There was a throwaway line about anesthesiology, um, where it was like, "Oh yeah, there's just been so much anesthetic and painkillers thrown around that we've just all." We've just all, it's become part of our bloodline or something like that. Right. So, I mean, it's, I didn't hear the part of what it was attributed to, but I, it's basically they, people evolved into 
no longer feeling pain. And then also, um, the other big one is that no one um, experiences infections anymore. Right. So surgeries are like, you know, just a pastime now where you just... You break out the old folding table and uh, go do surgery in the middle of the town square for your amusement. This is difficult for me right and now. Just like, that, I'm becoming... I feel like those two concepts are, are kind of what the world is built around, which is no pain, no infection. So, like, worrying about washing your hands, worrying about, like, you know, picking up trash or cleaning anything is like, eh, why, why bother? Um... Because that's kind of what the world looks like now. It's very gritty and and oily and and gross, and uh, it has like that post apocalyptic feel. But also, it kind of like the fact that it says like, oh yeah, people don't wash their hands anymore because they don't get infected and you know no one feels pain or whatever. Um, is kind of setting the stage, and then uh, Vigo and his girlfriend artist. Um, within this world are performance artists that, uh, do open heart, open chest surgery, um, to extract some of these new organs that Vigo sprouts. Designer organs. Um. Novelties. Right. And they're, I mean, he's evolving them. They just sprout and they're not sure what they do or why they're there, but they, he wants to get rid of them. And then there's another faction that's like... Embracing all this Embracing change. it. Yeah, Vigo's fighting it. And the background is like the government like trying to control it. Right. Because no one wants humans to evolve into something that's not human, mm-hmm. basically. Um, even though they're at that point now, apparently. And then... So there's these underground forces um, of like... Of what are we going to do with these new organs? And and the the general consensus of, like, quote-unquote normal society is you wouldn't want new things in you. That's... Yeah. Who knows what they do? You could... Uh, it's not normal. You don't embrace new shit. That's... that's we're old guard people. Like, yeah. Ugh. And then... Um, but the it's bigger... weird because the amount of discomfort that Vigo is caused... B- by living this "quote unquote" pure life, removing these organs that keep trying to like come in, he he is an uncomfortable person. Whereas other people seem to be seem to be going through life pretty good. Yeah, he's he's the exception to the rule where he does feel pain, and that's problematic. Um, and then the big reveal and the connection to that little kid is that that kid, um. A designer baby by Scott was the first um, like genetically passed on. Yeah. So so like his his father like um, modified his own organs. Right. To be able to digest plastic trash trash. And um his son had all those same abilities innately born innately. born with them which is there's a there's an interesting analogy towards the end um where where uh what what's her what's her name the uh um claire is it uh caprice uh says, says something like 
What? So you cut off your finger and your baby's born without a finger? That doesn't right. make any sense. Yeah. That's definitely a movie line of like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Right. And they're like, eh. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I, and then, then and again, that's a, that's a very Cronenberg thing. Sure. It's just like, hey, shut up. I'm, do, right. I'm playing with a fucking concept yeah, like here. In get, the, in get the fly, it's like, oh, I got to make the machine crazy about the flesh. Well, that solved it. We're doing... What does that mean? We're doing butt Shh. stuff. Get in. Uh, and so that's revealed, and then they want to do an autopsy on the kid, and then some shadowy agents have come in and made it look like they were artificial organs, and then uh, Vigo kind of gives in to letting these organs keep sprouting and not... And then there, there's another concept of, like, an organ... Like what was a beauty contest or yeah, something? Yeah, an, an inner beauty contest. And uh, and then he just kind of gives in, and at the end, it kind of shows that, like, oh, I can eat plastic now. And that's it. That's the movie. Okay. You you realize that you're... That you're, profa- you're missing all the points, right? You're missing all of them? Okay. Tell me what the points are. Okay. Well, it's hard because you've just spent the last 10 minutes uh, speed running through a movie that's f- fucking packed with analogies and metaphor and suggestion and stuff like that. Yeah. But, see, this so, is why I think you like this film a lot more than me because... Because I understand things on a general level. It's... Okay. <laughs> let's let's review the tape on that concept. Um, like... I think you like world building a lot more than I do, um, and I think well, let's, you like the ambiguous, like fill your own meaning into stuff as opposed to being told what, um, what the point is or what the. There's reasonable is. ways to infer all of this shit. Okay, okay, don't be angry. You can just tell me what you think. Oh, can I? Am I allowed to talk now? So. So if you if you start at the start, humanity can no longer humanity can no longer feel uh, feel pain, and in at first glance you go, oh that's good, right? Pain's bad, right? So why would you want to feel it? Well, as it turns out, that's the one universal truth that everybody can agree on on Earth is pain. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. This is not fun, and that's not really something you can argue with that's that is a general truth for humanity Mm -hmm. is pain is uncomfortable not not great and when it's done away with well a part of humanity slips away from you and not only that a lot of physiological problems are are born of that you know i mean shit what's that disease uh, where you can no longer, uh, leper, leprosy. You can't feel, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't feel pain in your extremities and stuff. And what ends up happening, you, you know, you start losing fingers and shit because you don't notice that you bash them really hard on things. And, and, uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's a pain exists for a real important purpose. And that's to keep you safe and, and whole. Right. And then and so if humanity has anesthetized themselves so frequently and so much to avoid feeling pain, 
that now they no longer feel pain. Well, they've gotten rid of a core concept, a core tenant, a basic truth Mm -hmm. of what it is to be human. And everybody's kind of okay with that because, well, it's good, right? We don't feel pain. That's good. But it's not good. You can see the thirst in everyone's eyes throughout this movie just to feel anything. And they'll go attend art shows of people being cut apart. And they're so enamored with this concept that they get off on it. They're everyone in these shows is like, oh, my God, I just want to be cut open by you. Oh, my. All I want is for you to just cut me apart. Like. And that's so fucked up. (laughs) That's super fucked up. And. And so what do you what ends up happening is all these people and because infection is no longer an issue, people are allowed to modify their body with open wounds, zippers in their stomach, uh, just open wounds all over their body. And it's like body modification into times 100. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, well, I don't want to be beautiful. I want to feel things. Mm. And. It's such a messed up concept that we can't feel. And so all we want to do is feel, of course, all that's all we if as soon as you take some innate thing away, all you look to do, even if it was bad, even if pain bad, all you look to do now is to feel that pain. And as a result, a lot of this society is so fucked up at its core like this dude scott speedman plays uh lang dotrice who has modified himself to eat trash Mm -hmm. um intentionally he loses his son and he's not nearly so upset about having lost his son you know the fruit of his loins the the one thing that humanity almost has universally agreed upon for its entirety is this is this is the meaning of life is to pass on knowledge and 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 try and make a new a better version of myself when he loses his son the thing he most um bemoans is the loss of basically the technology of his son. It's not the humanity within his son that he mourns. It is the loss of a statement, which mm-hmm. is we're evolving as we're evolving. Mm-hmm. And and we should accept that because we're a new techno society that's based that we fucked our environment up so badly. It's time to evolve with our environment, which we fucked up so badly. So accept the shit. Except how bad it is, eat trash, uh-huh. is this concept that he's pushing and that ends up being the symphony of this whole movie at the end where Vigo eats trash and is like, oh, it's fucking glorious. It's I'm one step closer to God because I ate trash and it worked. My body is now digesting trash and he's so enraptured mm-hmm. by this moment of eating synthetic garbage Mm -hmm. that it's just a disgusting concept to me it's it's humanity made perverse in so many ways like it's just 
oh, it's just a nasty, nasty concept. And, uh, and it's very sad to me. It's just like, I like, it just makes me, it just makes me sad for David Cronenberg and what he must see in life, you know, because that's such a heavy, heavy thing to, to have to put all this into, into words on a script and then make people act it out. It's just super gross to me. The concepts of this movie fucked me up badly. And like this whole sexuality mixed with surgery thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's too much for me. Yeah, that's uh, the sex and surgery stuff just felt like I don't know. It felt a little masturbatory where it's like, like, how far can I take it? It's hard. It's like, it feels like the movie was an excuse to show that stuff as erotic, which, uh, I'm not going to lie. It was a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, and anyone, you know, all the, uh, S and M peeps out there, like they'll, I'm sure tell you the interaction between pleasure and pain, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, I, I feel like the main thrust of what it's getting at is, um, you know, what is the end effect of modern life and how are we changing humanity into something else? You know, how are we, uh, what are the effects of, you know, this toxic lifestyle on, an organic creature um, to be able to continue surviving in it. And it's a very blatant message of that. Um, But I don't think it particularly says anything interesting. Just like people are going to evolve into something different and there's going to be pushback against that. And... um, it's kind of a physical representation of uh, more social concepts, um, but yeah, it just didn't. It did not affect me the way it did you. I mean, I can't. You know, I. <clears throat> it's going to hit everybody different, um, just as with everything, but. I feel like the this movie, like everything, could have been done in a short film. Like this would have this, all of the concepts that are laid out would have been great in a twenty to thirty minute movie. Um, for like whatever the runtime was, like for an entire feature length film, it's it gets really thin. Like I wish there was Boy, it more doesn't, it doesn't stuff happening. Feel, it like, doesn't ever feel thin to me. It feels. One of the one of the things that he does, which is interesting, an interesting take, but makes it more boring for me, is that it doesn't really discuss the government or like the the um, the powerful forces. It's just kind of that exist in the world. It's more of like just alludes to them, mm. you know, and you never really see. 
like um there's not like a villain there's not like a opposing force necessarily it's just a bunch of societal reactions to well changes happening yeah that's what i really appreciate about this and what i appreciate about cronenberg's stuff in general is often there isn't a villain um it's it's literally just opposing viewpoints uh, or concepts because i the reason i appreciate that is because that's the way the world is you know there's right very rarely somebody who believes the thing they're doing to be nefarious which is the you know the basic premise of a villain but well, instead mean, like, there are people who act believing they're doing the right thing there's this there's uh scott speedman who's like no we, this is the way this is this is we're eating trash we should be eating trash uh-huh. this is the natural order of things and then there's those who push back against it and neither and then there's the old guard the government who's like you know standing for the you know uh, conservative uh, mm-hmm. stance and neither is necessarily they all think they're doing the right thing you know there's no bad guy sure. necessarily depending on it just depends on where your values fall well yeah but i mean even just the clash between the between the philosophies isn't there it just states them like there's no stakes for the characters about whether they adopt or push back against those you know inherent clashes it's just they decide what it means to them and operate in that way. So, I mean, like a mean? good example the government, of... The government uh, assassinates Scott Speedman. They're... Um, With drills into his head. I guess I missed that part. <laughs> they were, Well, that... Were they... I thought those were like the... The technology company girls, like I, I missed the part where they're attached to the government. Oh yeah, well that's the that would make sense why you th- you got done saying all the things you just said if you missed this super critical part of the movie, which was a discussion between Vigo Mortensen Mortensen and the government agent, the uh-huh. uh, the black fella, uh-huh. who said, "Oh yeah, I have we have operatives who are who through yeah the." Vigo's like, hey, the shit inside that kid, that wasn't that wasn't what was originally inside that kid. You guys went in there and took it. And he's like, yeah, we got operatives. And right. Those were the operatives. Right. Well, I mean, I guess the difference is like that happens to not the main character in the film. So like the protagonist and like the main thrust of the storyline, there's not really a lot of stakes. There's there's almost no stakes. It's like he's he just exists and he's reacting to things put in front of him. It's a much more core thing. The the stakes he he faces are the stakes of losing what he believes to be his humanity. He has it sets this up from the very beginning of him being like, "Well, I don't want these fucking new organs in my body. What what might that do to me? I might lose my humanity if I I might that might turn me into something gross mm-hmm. if I his struggle is within and mm-hmm. in his the final outcome is he accepts the thing that he believes to be the thing that, you know, he becomes non-human to himself. Yeah. I mean, there's so many more opportunities for conflict that would make it more interesting to me. Like it's even like interpersonal conflict with his with his girlfriend, with like 
relationship stuff with like the government or like there could be a lot more going on and it's not and like another film that's kind of an example of this that i'm also not a huge fan of uh for similar reasons but at least it does more in terms of like plotting and having a driving like narrative would be blade runner Blade Runner is also kind of a post-apocalyptic. This is what the world will become. And here's the situation of, like, we have artificial life and this is what happens. And here are the results of that. And here's, like, the end effects of what needs to exist to react to that. And then we have the storyline of, you know, the mystery or the hunt for these simulated beans which is and they all have personalities and there's all like this you know are they aren't they kind of thing which makes interesting to me is like still pretty fucking boring movie but um at least you could you could point to that and say like here's the overarching theme like here's what they're getting at and here's how the conflict between these characters and these chases and the thing that happened the things that happen demonstrate that in crimes of the future er, 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 is like it it's just a slice of life in this uh future thing you know where it's like yeah this is one guy's life within this world and this is how he personally reacts to it and how he um eventually accepts something that he didn't want to accept before which yeah it is things happen it's just not that, not that much I'm so glad you brought up Blade Runner because Blade Runner is an example of a super cool concept. I think this is the most apropos uh, comparison you can make in this case. And And I'm super glad you brought it up because Blade Runner is an example of a super interesting concept. That's executed in a very slow, boring way to me. Mm-hmm. Right. It's particularly the original, obviously. Um I love the concept. I love the thoughts and everything. This crimes of the future, sure, sure, is the more interesting version of Blade Runner, which is the shit that's going on in people's heads in Blade Runner. That like, what are you doing to get to to find out where humanity starts and ends? Because it's all the same question between Crimes of the Future and Blade Runner Runner, is the question of what makes you human? Where do we draw those lines? When do we start? Blade Runner is the question of when do I start being human? And Crimes of the Future is the question of when do I stop being human? And and conceptual or uh, execution wise, Blade Runner is about the outward actions Mm-hmm. And Crimes of the Future is about the inward emotion. Um, and that inward emotion is what is interesting to me about this movie, because I was compelled to feel all kinds of different things. It brought questions up to me. Uh, there's I mean, there's one part of this movie that we haven't even touched on yet. I mentioned at in my review which is the artistic aspect of the whole thing. You know, let's not forget Vigo and uh, and What's-Her-Face uh, Caprice are artists. And uh, it, this is a huge part of this movie where mm-hmm. they are famous mm-hmm. in the underground art world for doing super 
you know, bleeding edge stuff, uh, so to speak. No pun intended. And um, and they have so many fans who are like, oh, wow, this thing I love that you do. And literally Vigo's response is, I do that because I hate it about myself. Mm-hmm. I'm getting rid of this and you that's the thing that you most love about me is my ability to make these things that i see as cancerous Mm -hmm. that's what you and so he's like he's constantly having this struggle of like whoa Mm -hmm. that's that's very relatable to me where i'm like you where somebody will be approach us about this show and be like i love the show that you guys do and i'm like I don't know. I can't even, I can't talk to you about this. This doesn't make, why would you like the thing that I do? I hate me. Like, like it's very, uh, it's a very, like these kind of conceptual, conceptual things are, are the thing that I like about this movie Mm -hmm. is the emotional part. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's two examples of, you know, the same thing. You're right in saying Blade Runner is more, Focusing on the external actions, and and this movie is more exploring the internal world. Um, I don't think either one of them necessarily do it in a super interesting way. I think there's a way to combine it that makes it much more powerful and makes it uh, a better experience for the audience. I mean, we just watched The Fly, which is a near-perfect movie, and demonstrates (laughs) the power of doing both to where it has a very human story, relationship based, personality based um plot and then has the external factors of this is the new world in which these characters live in and how they react to it. And uh it's just so much more powerful in in that because there's there's more conflict, there's more stakes because you understand what the characters are and what their motivations are, and um, and where the conflict is and and how it's eventually resolved or not resolved. See, but the things that you just got done describing, I understand who the characters are and what their motivations are, and and. Like, I, I get all that in this movie, and it hit me much harder than The Fly. Much, much harder. It is a much more powerful movie. Hmm. Um, much more compelling in terms of the questions that it... And, by the way, it's the same... It's the same concept, you know? A lot of... This is like the... Basically, the princi- principally... Mm-hmm. This is The Fly um, in a different way. Same, same, but different. So, I mean, if it's more impactful to you, why did you give it a lower score? I think I think it's so uncomfortable. I think I felt so upset by this. I think this is a good example of another movie like um uh what is that one? The house that Jack built uh-huh. where I I was so upset with the, I like I almost walked out of this fucking movie. I'm not joking. There was a good 10 minutes where I was where I was... Where, at what part was it? What scene? It was the part where um, she performs surgery on him in front of everyone. Uh-huh. And... 
he's basically coming well yeah everyone in the fucking talking. room is like coming about it and i'm like oh, okay i there's nothing here for me i have to go i have to go i have to go like i was panicking mm-hmm. you know this was ex- a profoundly uncomfortable i can't i really can't ex- see my that's so weird because my reaction to it is like because the concept it's not like the visual isn't the gross part i mean it is gross and it's well done but conceptually it's vile it's uh so well yeah i mean i see it and i i I see it i'm like yeah that's the point and instead of being affected by it personally instead of like experiencing the vileness and like and like feeling it viscerally i just go like oh he's pushing the limits here like that's yeah you choose not to feel thing and i choose to feel i always feel too much always Uh uh-huh i don't think i think and i may be way out of turn here but i've heard you and aaron state this where you're like or you recounting aaron's recollection of how you are Uh and it's like oh i don't feel enough you know and i think i think i felt this movie a lot and i don't i think you chose not to feel it or maybe it just you know, I don't know how that works. Chose, choose or not, I don't know. But um, um, I had no choice in this. <laughs> I know that, so maybe you didn't either. Yeah, I don't know if it's a defense mechanism or or if it's just like I my brain is processing things differently. But yeah, I mean, I can uh, stuff like the fly. Like it, it really affects me. Like I can suspend my disbelief and not see it as like, oh, look. Look at the makeup artist. They made it so his fingernails could come out. Like, I was experiencing it as, like, Jesus. Yeah. Like, I felt it myself, mm-hmm. what that guy must be going through. And I think that's related to my buy-in to the story and the characters. And this one, everything felt so artificial and foreign. Um on the face of it because that's what they were trying to do. I think a lot of like science fiction or fantasy and world world building stuff like that's, I just can't get into it because I see it as like, Oh, they're creating this from scratch, you know? And this is like, um, it's creating a world that doesn't exist or isn't unrecognizable. So the people's emotions and their worldview are like, there's no, uh, analog and uh, you know analog to yeah you need, today's world. You seem to need your. You seem to need your a movie to suspend your disbelief for you. Whereas mine is just always suspended. I I'm just like I'm just there with it. I'm mm-hmm. always just there with the thing. I want. I just want. To, I. It's not even a want. It's just I just go. Okay. All right. All right. All right. And accept every premise that is given to me. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dupe in terms of just going for stories. I just accept them as what they are. And if the premise is weak, then it's weak. Mm-hmm. Then, then it all falls apart for me. Um, but I will automatically buy in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't have any choice in that. I just go, okay, okay, okay. And so conceptually, if the concept is, is fucked or weak or is easy to see through, you know, like 
That's why slashers just don't work. Because it's like, uh, all right, well, a lot of them are just so supernatural and ridiculous that it's like, okay, like, critters, huh? All right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I can't say I approach it or, like, have one reaction every time. It's It's a combination of factors of, how much do I enjoy the concept and how do, how much do I enjoy mm. the presentation of it? Mm. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a multifaceted thing. And, and for whatever reason, this one just didn't do it for me. That's re- it's, I could, I gotta, I gotta say, I know you pretty well. And, and, but I'm still always impressed by, how little I'm able to call your enjoyment of things. Some things are easy. Some mm-hmm. things are easy with you. I'm like, well, oh, oh. well um, gratuitousness is typically just appreciated by, by Bryce. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, conce- yeah, the gratuitous scenes in this movie are like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like what? Like the surgery scene, the, the oh. art, the performance art stuff, like the scene where, like they're both cutting each other when when they're naked alone like that's it's like <laughs> it's gratuitous and and interesting cuz like yeah that that can exist anywhere else but in film you know and uh that's where i see like in terms of the filmmaker's perspective is like they're having fun like they're having fun like building this in their mind with the expectation of what the audience is going to feel because of it. And I can, I I think that's a lot of, a lot of where my enjoyment comes in, in play is like a lot of the time I take the film filmmakers perspective, um, first Mm. (laughs) where it's like, I take, I take the storytellers perspective. Okay, tomato, tomato. Like it's like they're well, it's going by what their intentions are, and like I don't think it is, is tomato, tomato. But I'm sorry, go on, I, and I'll, I'll I'll elaborate after you're done. Um, like it's everything on screen is decided. Like right. it's all intentional. There's nothing unintentional shown. In, in movies, usually. Like, everything has to be created. Even the chairs that they use are like... Right. There's got to be some art department head that comes to the director and says, like, this one or this one. Right. And he's like, hmm, well, I think in this scene, this one will work better. And so, those choices, like, going through, like, uh, trying to trying to imagine what the filmmaker was thinking, um, you know, at all levels, either the director, the actor, the writer, or whatever... Um, some of that is is apparent and seeing their enjoyment or seeing how well they execute like a particular concept um is where i get a lot of enjoyment from yeah i think that's i i think a a lot of what you're describing is the visual media aspect of it um is is your is your initial intake Thing. And mine is the dialogue and the conceptual that I, I take the the written story 
and and digest that first. Now the the visual is is impressive in its own. No, I mean way it's and- it's both. I mean it's like it's everything together. It's what the medium of film is, which is yeah, how things are communicated, whether through visuals or through the script. It's all it all goes together to yes it demonstrate does. what yes the filmmaker or the storyteller is trying to convey right. and i get enjoyment out of seeing their unique perspective executed in exactly the right way okay we're going to review get out after this one and that's an excellent example of like that is a unique perspective it's a and it's um, communicated so well that I feel what his perspective is now through right. I, the script, the, the the visuals, and like just the entire concept. I don't think I'm going to be successful in describing what I'm trying to say because I'm because I realized that we're not talking quite about the same thing. Um, which is my, f- I'm talking about my personal filters, uh, in, in how I take in m- media mm-hmm. and, and you're talking about how a thing, how a thing you, your appreciation for how a thing is, is put together conceptually, visually and story wise that's where you derive your your appreciation from is is this uh, well i mean that's just one of my filters sure i'm saying uh that my f- initial like my, the strongest th- the thing that hits me first and strongest is almost always conceptual it's yeah. the story right it's the not necessary not necessarily the visuals but the ideas behind them um bless you but yeah so i'm i don't know anywho um it's impressive how- yeah i think i think that is true like i i get that sense like you do fall in love with the concepts um and if you're in love with the concept the execution is not super important like if you are completely bought into the concept it's like Mm -hmm. like okay well you know you're pointing out the choice of thoughts or the dialogue or or whatever that seems nitpicky what's really cool is the idea and um i i think from my perspective i also fall in love with the concepts but i am disappointed when it's not utilized to the you know furthest extent Mm-hmm. than it could be. Yeah. And sometimes that's just a limitation of the filmmaker. Sometimes that's like just the decision that they're making to focus on one one thing and not the thing that I would focus on. So um if that I will say before we get on with the rest of the, I know we didn't we the one thing that we didn't touch on really that I think deserves a little bit of a little bit of discussion is the autopsy bed and the uh-huh. food eating chair uh-huh. and they are like these organisms almost yeah these like super cronenbergian organisms that were made with the explicit intent of 
Oh, oh, and the bed. And, and the, the, uh, the, uh, the hammock, yeah. the uh, bug hammock thing uh-huh. that were all made with the intent of, like, cradling humanity in a humanity that is changing uh-huh. fundamentally and feeling a bunch of discomfort. And this, this concept of, like, we have to build this super complicated bio-organic machine Mm -hmm. that makes things easier so that we can keep living life as we knew it it's such it sets up such a weird amalgam such a weird like and it's so it's executed in such a goofy way like that chair the the breakfast chair is is probably the most goofy. It's like it's wiggling him, but it's like it's just like sitting on your dad's lap and having <laughs> him like push your head back and forth and kind of wiggling uh-huh. wiggling his hips while you're so you're kind of just being jostled around. Yeah, that's one of those where like the concept like you're buy into the concept is so important because if you just right. look at it you're like this is the goofiest shit. It's so ever. stupid. Cuz like I I could see what they're trying to do which right. is like it's hard for his body to go through the motions of eating solid food. And so the concept is there's a chair that helps move your body and engage in the muscles and like the peristalsis, like, is that the right word? Peristalsis? Peristaltic? I'm going to say sure. Um, the motion of swallowing and moving food through your body to where it's engaging it's like the that thing if you're working out with a trainer and they like just do shit to engage your core yeah stand on this balancing thing because we're going to engage your core while you're just doing a basic you know lifting movement or something so like this chair is to engage your digestive system and so it's just but (laughs) on the surface if you just look at it it's this like rickety super like and, and it, special effects like uh organic weird alien chair thing that's just like Vigo Mortensen is like mm, he's got he's got the wiggles you know <laughs> and and by the way so like yeah it's supposed to so the thing that it's supposed to achieve this chair mm-hmm. is like a more natural position so that you are able to uh, imbibe and digest food easier, right? So that's the concept. But in reality, it's got you wiggling around and like all uncomfortable. And no, at no point in human history has the eating experience been like wiggling around. So it has well, never think, been natural to do this. No, I think what it was trying to say is it wasn't giving you the correct posture to eat. It was. It was getting the feedback from your body to move you in a way that engaged the natural systems that used to just normally work. Which is okay. Oh, I see. I see what you what what, what this means now. Which is so fucked up anyway, right? Because it's like, oh, now you need this thing to like wiggle you around, and oh, hey, we have a call, a live call into HMT. What is this? Nothing important. Oh, okay. Goodbye. Um, that's what we do when you call our voice line at 682-253-4468. We just, we just pick up and hang up so that you can go straight to voicemail. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, 
It's got a lot of weird concepts. I'm so curious to see uh, how much flack I get for liking this movie a lot and how much flack you get for not liking it very much at all. Um, because I think there will be camps on this. I think this is a divisive movie. Maybe. I mean, there's already been discussion on, on the horror movie talk Facebook group, uh, big Facebook group over there. Lots of cool people, lots of discussion. You should check it out. But yeah, already I, somebody was like, anybody check this out yet? Reported back two hours later. It sucks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's already been. Yeah. I mean, I imagine there's going to be a lot of people that go into it that are disappointed. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just didn't feel like there was that much there for me. Um, it felt like it was almost too much there for me. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That we could be so different in that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anywho, who uh, who is this for with that? Like, let's... Who, who who would enjoy this movie? Oh, Cronenberg fans. Um, if you like to see titties. Uh-huh, um, and I do. This has got those in there. Um, A yeah. lot of those. Yeah, I counted six. Even, even body horror, like, in terms of saying this is a body horror film, it definitely is, but... I don't know. I mean, it's... I almost passed out. It's more of like a special effects film, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, if you like body horror, go see it, I guess. I don't know. You know, in terms I of... I don't think it's worth seeing in the theater. I think you can wait until it's out There's there's to rent. In terms of like aesthetic, it's got a real monotone backdrop uh, that's just super sparse and feels kind of like Cube. You know, just like we did not, we had a shoestring budget. Yeah, that's the other thing is it like feels like a lot of the aesthetics of it is I've seen before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It feels kind of like Dark World. Remember Dark World where it was just a super monotone, nothing backdrop, Sin City kind of just like. Yeah, kind of yellowish. And I mean, like, yeah, the cyberpunk is definitely heavy, heavy in it. But like, um. Yeah, retro retro futuristic is what it is. Retro futurism, which yeah. is old technology mixed with new technology. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think if if you if yeah, the most unbelievable aspect of this film is that CRT televisions still exist <laughs> in the future. They don't exist now. Yeah, I can't. You can't find them now, really. Yeah. I mean, well, maybe you can. I don't know. Uh, I'll say if if you. Uh, if you get grossed out by concepts, um, this will be extremely uncomfortable for you. So t- do with that info as you may. So now let us move into horror movie talk. What's the name of this bit? <laughs> There's a little bit where you guys call us at 682-253-4468. Let us know what you think. Um, yeah, we've been getting a lot of calls every week for the past couple of weeks yeah, where it's can... like, man, we got to keep on top of the new new releases or else these are going to back up. Yeah, they're getting crazy. Um, this is Jessica from Nashville. 
uh, I'm just going to preface this one by saying she is a uh, a, a Patreon pat- patron mm-hmm. of ours, and so she has the added benefit of having of getting to listen to episodes that we record way in advance, mm-hmm. like Critters, which we've already recorded and put it up and put up on our Patreon. Was that a pretentious review or just an in the bag? That's a in the bag. Okay. I, I believe, yeah. So that's a that's one up on Patreon. Uh, at a six dollar and sixty six cents. Hey guys, it's Jessica from Nashville, and I just downloaded and listened to your critters um, episode, and I just want to say thank you, and I'll tell you why. Um, you guys already remind me so much of my brother, um, like just your the way you guys are, the, how fun you guys are, and everything, and just the way we grew up too. Um, and this is kind of hard for me to talk about, but like your critters, <laughs> your critters episode just reminded me so much of like, so me and my brother, we both grew up in the eighties. I was four years older than him. Um, and I, it was like, I introduced him to critters one and critters two. And he just like flipped his shit. Like I felt like as his older sister, it was my duty to introduce him to horror movies. And that little fucker, like, watched that movie nonstop, over and over and over again. I got so sick of it. I couldn't even stand them anymore. But you guys just remind me of him so much, and this brought back so much nostalgia. And um, it just really made me smile and reminded me of the good times. So my brother... um, he died in October uh, from a drug overdose, and um, you know we we had a similar, um, very similar raising to you, David. Um, I'm so sorry. It just feels like, like oh my God, that was literally my childhood. And non joke, um, joke. Uh, we also like would joke. My me and my brother would um, laugh that our dad was like Gary Busey. Oh God. So anyway, um, but my brother died of a drug overdose and, um, there was just a lot of pain that, you know, he suffered from and, you know, we all have our demons and everything. And so I just picked up other types of things like perfectionism and all this other shit that, you know, I'm working through, but it just made me miss my brother. And, um, yeah, so anyways, I just really thank you guys for bringing a smile to my face and laughing a good happy cry. So, thanks. Love you guys. Bye. Oh, my. What do you want me to do? Stand up. Okay, then what the... Stand up! All right! Stand up! Stand up and face me! Okay. Put your knife up. Okay. Now, what if... What are you Use your knife me? to defend yourself. Come on! A little that, slice of life there. Oh, scary abuse. All coming back to me. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry to hear that about your brother. Like, that's, I, man, drug abuse is rough. It's it's one of those like really helpless things where it's like, I don't even know people how I don't even know how people get out of that cycle. You know. Because uh, I feel like personally, if it was me, if I was addicted to, you know, heroin or something, it would be like, oh, well, I'm definitely going to die from that. Like, because I wouldn't be able to 
be strong enough to get out of it. Be like, yeah, but I need that. So I'm 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 sorry to hear that. Yeah, I mean it's growing up in a traumatic childhood. I'm I'm sure everyone reacts differently and has a different toxic or beneficial reactions to it. Um, you know, it's super strange how much difference four years can make, you know? Um, because, because like my, my brother and I are four years apart. uh I'm older. And, um, and I really witnessed a lot of, uh, the alcoholism and the the real, uh, tumultuous up upbringing of those, um, you know, up until I was nine or 10, Mm -hmm. something like that. And, and, uh, and my, my brother, uh, you know, he experienced it too, but at a much younger age, yeah. um, you know, not cognizant, you know, yeah. from zero to five. Right. And, uh, and he is, he is, uh, you know, he, I think he would agree that he's affected somewhat, but, uh, mm-hmm. very different, very different how life just strikes everyone differently and it and four years come you know you go oh i went through the same things you did and it's like even if you're twins you didn't go through the same fucking things right. you know and everything hits everybody different and jessica take the happy feelings where you can find them and experience the sad feelings and take them where you can find them and just it's all life and it's all a beautiful thing you know, and be happy that you can feel, you know, because the bad makes the good so much better. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you had uh, you've experienced that. But go back and ex- experience the ecstasy of Critters one and two, because they are fabulous <laughs> movies. They're a lot of fun. Um, here is CJ. Hey, CJ, Beast from the Northeast. So. As far as sinkholes and earthquakes go, oh God! Would you rather have the possibility of a sinkhole happening somewhere in your general area <laughs> once, let's say, let's say once a month, and you don't know if it's going to be right under your house or down the street as you're driving, or how bad the sinkhole is going to be, like how big it's going to be? There's just a possibility that it might happen in your area Got it. once a month. Or would you rather go through, let's say, a five or six on the Richter scale earthquake the same day once a week, and you know what's going to happen, and it's at the same time every day? Which one of those would you rather experience? The threat of a sinkhole is going to happen. You don't know when or where. Or for sure being through an earthquake, same time, same day, once a week. I mean, that feels like a really right, obvious answer to me. Yeah, well, it's, that's tough because his premise is, I, I don't know, you know, being from the Northeast, CJ is the beast from the Northeast. Uh-huh. I don't think he has a strong concept of, of what a five <laughs> or a six is. You know, you, with earthquakes, you generally kind of like it starts getting serious around seven. You yeah. know, yeah. Uh, six is is not probably not a great time, mm-hmm. but 
like five. A seven is logarithmically worse than right. a six. I think like five is like Im- almost imperceptible. You can feel it. I've been through fours and fives that that I felt. You know. Well, yeah. Like I've, I think I've only felt an earthquake once. I felt like, a couple. There's there's been. I always hear about them after they happen. They're like, "Oh, did you feel the earthquake?" I'm like, it, "No." It helps to have birds. Birds fucking go nuclear about a minute and a half before an earthquake, and you're like, "What are you doing? Why are you doing this?" And they're like, ah, ah, "We gotta get out of here." Yeah, the only one that I felt, I was at work, and I had, I was leaned back, and my head was against the wall, and, and so it just jostled your head. Yeah, a little bit. all of a sudden I was like shaking. I'm like, "Well, wait a minute, walls don't do this." <laughs> but even then, it was like gentle, and it was did not last that long. Okay, so let's. I feel like the obvious answer is like, of course you'd pick the earthquake, right? Of course, yeah. It's a it's a little bit difficult the way he set it up. So let's make it let's so make like it a seven. Fi- okay, instead seven. of a five or a six, let's make it a seven to a seven point five. You know, uh, still, still, you choose the earthquake. I I would choose the sinkhole in that case. I I do not want to sit through sevens to eights weekly. Weekly, oh my god! I mean, if you could prepare for them, you just like. Buildings come down in sevens and eights. He's well, yeah. Then you'd reinforce them to the point where you know it wouldn't come down, and like put your stuff in like the cabinets that they use on like an RV or a boat. No sinkhole. Every in my in my general area, like okay, yeah, I'll take that way way over like all my stuff getting fucked up all the time. Well, yeah. no, I mean, I you you would if it was weekly, you would prepare so much. It would be like, all right, well, yeah, you would it would it would in, interfere with your life directly a lot. Yeah, whereas a sinkhole, it's still like a just a shot in the dark that it might happen to me or to somebody else in this general area. Uh-huh. It's so localized. I I would take sinkhole every time on that. Huh, that's weird. I, I like that you're like, ah, inconvenience every week. I'll take that. Guaranteed inconvenience over. Yeah, inconvenience because you can That's It's at the, the base level, it's inconvenience. You can completely plan for it. Especially, like, even if, like, you thought maybe my house will fall down. You're just like, okay, well, I'll make sure to go out in the park during that hour and just wait. You don't get to know when it's going to happen. It's inconvenient every time. And not only inconvenient. No, that was fucking super dangerous. No, that was the premise he said. The same time every week is what he said. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. Uh well, in that case, I yeah, no, still. I would definitely 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 choose the sinkhole. Um but right, well, I'll I'll stay in my well-constructed and reinforced house that can't possibly be shaken down, and you again, stand the chance again, of being you swallowed have this by the earth. You get to have this... Ri- no, it's this house. Yeah. It's- if I knew it was happening weekly, don't you think I'd hire some contractors to be like, okay, we got to put these straps on and, and put these, like... Versus a, versus a 40-foot sinkhole happening somewhere in the Portland metro area that's pr- almost guaranteed to never happen to me? Yeah. I'll take it in your general vicinity. Yeah, that's the Portland metro area. It's a random possible occurrence monthly that you might be swallowed by the earth. Yeah, I'll take it. I would take certainty over dread. I would experience no dread because I I understand how like how like the, the possibility 
that in even if you were to say in a 10 square mile if even mm-hmm. if you were to narrow it down to such a such a small uh-huh. you know um portion of land is 10 square miles right the possibility of that catching you um is very small it, it's very small versus guaranteed baseline weekly inconvenience mm-hmm. that's baseline oh, well yeah i mean if my choice is Weekly inconvenience versus the possibility of being swallowed by the earth. No, I'd, I'd take. Oh, I would the, rather oh, the know. possibility of being swallowed by the earth is very real with the earthquake. Earthquakes can result in fucking fissures and all kinds of bullshit. They can result in multiple sinkholes. You're right. Yeah, that is terrifying. It's fucking horrifying. Sinkholes are terrifying. The shaking the earth isn't that interesting to me though. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Oh, no, just my books fell off my shelf. Oh dear. Okay. Well, different strokes, I suppose. Yeah. Anyway, well, that was a good uh-huh. that was a good call. Thank you, CJ. That was actually pretty good. Oh no, look who it is. Yo, it's Mike from California again. Uh good episode there on the fly. Bryce, don't you listen to David about uh pushing your dick down while you were looking at David Blaine or Paula Poundstone or whoever it was. <laughs> Keep that dick up. Uh uh, the monkeypox started uh, from ass-eating love, and I'm patient zero, and I'm a 39-year-old millennial, I guess. Uh, team back. Thanks, guys. Hey, Mike was he was a, he was kind of a reasonable human being. This yeah. Time. Huh. Are we are we socializing him? <laughs> I'm realizing he might be another like Rojo type character of like. Oh man. Because he's saying he's patient zero by eating ass. Like uh, mm, it feels like a real Rojo. Remember Rojo? Remember the golden days of Rojo? Uh-huh. Man. Those were great. Great days. Ah. Now you've sucked all his energy out in the separate podcast. What are you talking about? Oh, I would do a podcast with Babyface Billy. Oh, sorry. God, what is Maybe it? he's just being shown up by another Brooklyn native. Bronx native. Well, Babyface is from the Bronx. Or, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, hey. CJ, Beast from the Northeast, yes, from shitty Massachusetts. Okay, there. So, uh, it has to do nothing with any previous uh, episodes. I just wanted to say, David, uh, myself as a fellow metalhead, uh, I gotta tell you about the band Ice Nine Kills. If you don't already know them, they're a horror themed metal band. Uh, they're amazing, they're one of my favorite bands. Uh, they act out um, different scenes from horror movies on stage. Basically, um, a lot of their material is based on horror movies. You can tell pretty much which movie just by listening to the song. Um, and yeah, Ice Nine Kills. Check them out. They're dope. See ya. David is having a full body eye roll. <laughs> he almost <laughs> fell out of the chair. Um... I think haven't you talked about this band in particular before? It's maybe it was just on an afterpod or something. Canny, how many fans of ours come out to tell me about Ice Nine Kills, and then sometimes I just go, "Hey, thanks for the tip," and other times I go, "Oh, it's not really, not just really my a, lane." Make a bold statement right now. Just let's let's cut off these recommendations once and for all. Um, Ice Nine Kills is, I, I look. I, I'm not going to kink shame anyone. I get it. Uh, every different strokes for different folks. 
I like, if you like Ice Nine Kills, I like stuff that you have, you're years away from getting to in the catalog. Ice Nine Kills is not my kind of deal. It's kind of poppy. It's kind of, uh, it is what you would describe as metal now. Um, and I, I like, so the only, and by the way, this horror movie stuff in metal, it's fine. It's great. It's not my particular lane. Although I would say if you're a horror movie fan and you're a metal fan, which I know there's a lot of crossover, there's a band that started in the nineties that is still so astonishingly influential, even with their early stuff that. Uh, it's better, better than Ice Nine Kills, in my opinion. And it's called, they're called Mortician. And um, here's a little Mortician for you to give you an idea of, you know, where, where this starts and ends here. Let's, let's move. Ate his genitals. Badass stuff. That's Cannibal Cannibal Feast by Mortician. It, I like Mortician a lot more than I like Ice Nine Kills. A mm-hmm. lot. And I'm not a huge Mortician fan. There's some bigger fans out there. Although, if you like Mortician, you'll really like the loving tribute to Mortician, Fluids. Which is a lot more disgusting in real life. And they have clips of people dying on their songs. So mm. That's... Mm. Next call. How does this all make you feel? How does all that metal stuff make you feel? You're you have the full body eye roll anytime metal is brought up. At I all. listen to that. I'm like, yep, that's an effects pedal. Oh yeah, yeah. Like okay, uninteresting riff over and over again, and you're getting all the mileage out of that effects pedal you can. Oh yeah, and then usually a very talented drummer. Yeah, the drummers are are uh, and the vocalists are always my favorite part. Yeah, sure. Oh, there. Vocalists very. have, uh, from my experience, like the vocalists have two tricks, and they lean on those heavily. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like, and that's it. Yeah. There's no, like, because I'm I am a vocalist. Like right. I, a metal vocalist. Uh, I am a singer. Oh. And I appreciate excellent singers. Right. That uh. No, I would. Yeah, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say uh, metal vocalists are singers. Right. Really. Yeah, no. They're more like... They're performers. They're more like uh, uh, experimental yellers. Right. <laughs> Old yellers. Right. Yeah. No, uh, we're in agreement and it about is And it is impressive, but I... It's yeah. like, yeah, it's... It's a full-body eye roll from Bryce about metal. <laughs> right. He's <laughs> like, okay. Uh, yeah, I've stopped trying to... It's like guys that have a... On the nose, just excellent Jimmy Stewart impression. And that's all that they do, and they do it all the fucking time. So left field. It's like, okay, I mean, it's impressive, but why? (laughs) Hey, this is Brian from uh, Alabama. I just wanted to talk to you guys about the fly review today. And you were talking about that it could be possibly better. Than the thing as far as practical effects go. Can you chill out, bro? You guys are fucking mistaken, bro. Whoa. There's no way. I've watched both movies a thousand times. There's no way. You guys are crazy. 
I mean, honestly, I'd like to hear a more in-depth review on both as far as practical, practical jokes go. Yeah, practical I'm jokes. pretty fucking <laughs> lit right now. But either way, you fuck super hard. You could probably fuck my wife once in a while because I don't do the job. But thank you, guys. Love you. Everything you do. Bye. I love you, Brian. Did he say uh, suck his wife or no, fuck his wife? No, fucker. Oh, okay. Offering his wife. Where is he from? Alabama. Uh, down down at Bama. Down south. Yeah. No, dude. Um, yeah, it, they're definitely two different lanes in terms yeah. of practical effects. And I can see enjoying one over the other, but I couldn't see... I, I can't see like being like for sure on one is better than the other. I mean, we did maybe do that in the last episode. Yeah, I feel like I could stake my flag on the fly. I mean, they're both in- incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't feel like I could necessarily... Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty close tie in terms. I feel the thing with the fly for me is it's believable. The thing with the fly. The thing with the fly uh-huh. is it's believable all the way through, and they dwell on it like they don't turn away from it or hide it from like plain view. It's believable that a man could be fused with a fly in a teleporter. Well, it looks it looks so convincing. Ah. I'm saying the special effects look so convincing and you really feel like like what he's feeling in the transformation yeah and um the thing special effects are fantastic they're great but there's also moments that pull you out of it it's like it's impressive but also you can see like oh those are hoses that they're Spraying air through so that so that they wiggle in the air now know? now or now like the on, chest on this the chest compression things where it opens up and eats his arms like again this is a this is a you know this is these are some jaded horror fans who have seen the thing you know six times right, or have right. them that first time I saw the thing though I, I mean Brian's right it it was so shocking and and out of left field every time and that's and that's the advantage that the thing has over the fly is mm-hmm. it is horrifically shocking and scary uh, visual. Um, especially on that first viewing. Mm. Now, he's saying he's watched them both a thousand times. So, I don't know what we're exactly arguing about here, Brian. If you're watching The Fly a thousand times, then you obviously love The Fly. Um, right. But... Uh, yeah, and that's the thing. Like Stuff like that. That's the thing. Even, even the first viewing for me, I'm like, eh. let's make up return some videotapes I don't know. uh i'll take you up on uh on that wife thing i'll tell you what brian yeah i'll ask Erin if she's okay yeah. she gets consent i'll come and fuck your wife okay well hey, let's guys. send pictures first i mean let's be honest shut up beggar beggars can't be choosers bryce how do i restart this this is tiana, it's tiana from nevada sorry i haven't called in a long time i've been busy Finishing my undergrad, and I graduated on Friday the 13th with with my BAs, which is, you know, it's pretty awesome. Anyway, I just got done listening to The Fly, Um, sorry, episode, and to be honest, I've never seen The Fly, and I know it's, like, probably disgraceful to, like, listen to a podcast, like, about a movie that spoils everything before watching it, but it's also, like, I don't really know if body horror is my big thing. Like, I watched Hellraiser 
with my boyfriend a couple weeks ago, and I was just super freaked out. So, I don't know. I wanted to get your guys' take on it before I just started watching this fly. But that's all I've got for you. Uh, yeah. All right. Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. Goodbye. Yeah, I mean, if you listen to the review, I mean, I think we outline it pretty well. If if that is of interest to you, then then watch it. Like, I, I think it's engaging enough to where like yeah it's it's worth the admission price you know yeah yeah um yeah no doubt yeah get your life together tiana <laughs> i know you just graduated and everything, but yeah can you get your fucking priorities right. now you gotta enter the real world and watch the fry <laughs> yeah. and watch the fly the fry <laughs> what if he yeah what if like jeff goldblum transported and instead of a fly it was just like a a stale mcdonald's fry left on the inside of it and then he gradually turned into a french fry human and then be a happy movie a brundle fly a brundle fry brundle fly brundle fry damn it (laughs) anyways oh i'm so so full of carbs (laughs) (laughs) my outside's getting so crunchy and my inside's so fluffy oh man bundle fry anything else bundle fry did we ever did we ever mention like on the fly review how you you were like what is a brundle fly or was that before? Mm, I don't remember if we entered the conversation on the actual podcast well it's it's a strange thing right because Everybody, because Brundlefly is a almost like a, a noun now. Uh-huh. You know, it's like a thing that exists. The way people talk about it is they go the Brundlefly, mm-hmm. which is not a a circumstance in most movies. Is you don't see people referring to the movie in such a colloquial way, um, in a character in the movie in like such a specific and colloquial way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thrown off because it had been so long since I had uh-huh. seen the movie. I figured that maybe, like, Brundle was a variety of fly that Cronenberg named uh, that character uh-huh. Brundle because irony, you know? Uh-huh. Because, oh, there's also a kind of fly that is a Brundle fly because everybody goes, the Brundle fly when referring to the movie, the the fly from 1986 right. so yeah i, I, I think the like, circumstances uh, i honestly I, I i hope it's on the podcast but the circumstance in the conversation whether it was recorded or not was dave was like what is a brundle fly and i was like it's the combination between his last name and just the fly and he's like oh i thought brundle fly was a type of fly i was like what how am i supposed to know that and like the <laughs> The day before, or like the hour before, we had been planning our um, our show, which multiple times like was mentioned the name of the character Seth Brundle. Well, I You're was like, worried to me- I was worried to ask the question because I thought maybe the person whose opinion I most respected would come out and make fun of me. Well, it was a funny moment because you're like, "Oh, I'm supposed to be expected to remember something that I learned." Well, because you reacted in the exact way that I feared, which was. Uh, by mocking me, I don't. I, don't, I felt well, I had to. I felt I had to no, defend myself. I laughed with you. We both laughed because 
the circumstance I had was to laugh because we, otherwise it was going to be tears. We both learned like the same thing at the same time, which was the character is named Seth Brundle. I retained that information and you promptly forgot it the next day. Right. No, no. I just got done. Ex- Did you not hear my explanation of the whole thing? How I thought I I thought that Brundle was named Brundle because I thought that it was an ironic naming. Right. But if I remember right in that conversation, you did not remember that his name was Brundle. No, I knew his name was Brundle. Okay. Well, this feels like revisionist history. Yes, it does. Hmm. Indeed. Hmm. One of us is right. Hmm. Only time will tell. Thank you for listening to this episode of Horror Movie Talk. That seems to just be uh, always long now. I'm just like, it's always going to We didn't be... even talk that much about the movie other than just arguing oh, yeah, about whether it was good or not. Oh, yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> you know, it's important. These things are important. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening. Share the episode with a friend. Share uh, things. We love you. Mm-hmm. Uh, support us if you can. Um, free podcast. We produce it out of mm-hmm. trying to get you to, you know, trying to make you feel guilty enough to support us. Uh-huh. So, and um, we do want to feed our family. Yep. Uh, and we still haven't been able to do that. My children need wine. My kids need wine. Have a great week. We love you. Bye. Bye. Hello, and welcome to Horror Movie Talk. An opinionated and accidentally funny horror movie review show. Go, 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 go. Theatrical releases always get priority. But we also review older horror movies, both good and horrible. Wow, that didn't sound good. Can I see one today? Yes.